It's your coach, Coach Cam. We talking hoops, baby. We talking hoops. Uh-huh. Coach Cam on the podcast. We talking hoops. Don't you leave them open. Don't you know that coach can shoot? We talking hoops all day. That's what we do. That's NBA, D1 to D2, AAU, D3, G League, overseas, highlights, offers, transfers that want to leave. We talking hoops, that's every week With Coach Cam dropping gems for the hoop fiends uh, And to my fans with the hoop dreams Stay shooting, stay hooping Buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do Cause this is Coach Cam and we talking hoops Kid, kid, we talking hoops It's your coach that knows hoops the most We talking hoops, baby It's Coach Cam Episode 8, we feeling great. Back for another one, another session for you guys. Of course, we're going to talk the NBA Finals because that's what we do. We talk hoops, baby. But along with the NBA Finals, we're going to cover, you know, some JUCO basketball, some college basketball, high school basketball, a little bit of draft insight, a couple coaches getting some jobs we're going to talk about. And uh, NBA free agency, and you know we gonna talk hoops, baby. We gonna talk hoops. So, you know this this the edition that we talking about. This is episode eight from the great. This is the 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 Kobe special edition, cause Kobe was special when he wore that eight. And you know where we gonna start, man. We gotta start with the NBA finals, and I'm looking at the. Hey, look, look, my bad. I'm sorry. Ooh, I'm sorry. Because I was wrong. Coach Cam was wrong. I was pretty adamant at saying Golden State was going to win in a short series. I was pretty adamant in saying that the Warriors were going to win in four or five. And boy, did the Raptors prove me wrong. That claw, man, Kawhi has been flat out going to work. Flat out. He's got... He's he's tied. He's like one game behind Kobe Bryant for the most thirty point games in a playoffs. I think he's got like fourteen or fifteen. That boy been putting in some serious work. But Golden State, and I'm not even gonna talk about the injuries because everybody knows Kevin Durant is hurt. Everybody knows that Kevin Lilly went down, but he's not a major piece. Clay missed a couple games with the hamstring. I'm not even going to talk about the injuries because the injuries, of course, they're going to hurt a team like the Warriors that's played an extra season compared to the Raptors. They've got a lot of miles on them. But the Warriors are making a lot of silly, dumb mistakes. They're not playing championship basketball. They're not. Steph Curry, as much as I want him to be the MVP in this series, he is awful defensively. Awful. So bad. But he's not alone. Steph Curry is not alone. Their rotations are bad. They try to trap, and they can't get out of a trap, leaving Toronto open up for direct drives and open threes. I mean, this is the most direct drives I've seen from a, um, a championship-level team in a long time. I mean, they're just getting blown. There's a lot of, we call them blow-bys. 
And a blow by is basically the offensive player going right by the defender without any kind of force or repercussion or nothing. Just let him go. Just let him go. Call him blow by. You close out to a guy and he blow right by you. And Steph Curry has had quite a few of these. Klay Thompson has had quite a few. Draymond is doing his best on Kawhi, but Kawhi just, they have nobody that can guard Kawhi. But they also have nobody that can guard Siaka. In transition, Kyle Lowry has been huge in making shots to the perimeter. And Van Vliet, oh my goodness, if he doesn't get, if man, if he don't get a contract upgrade after this series and the last one, hey man, get that man some paper. The Raptors pull this out. You, you got to pay that man. You do, because he's made some phenomenal shots. So the Golden State Warriors, it wasn't their offense. They're scoring 100-plus a game, but they're giving up way too much on defense. They're getting killed with the middle ball screens. The first game, the first couple of games, uh, Toronto wasn't diving their big man. Now they're diving their big man. And they're throwing it to him. He's making plays. I mean, they're just, the Raptors are scoring the paint, scoring the transition, shooting 90% from the free throw line coming into game five. Wow. I mean, game, yeah, game five. Wow. 90%? I mean, I don't know too many teams making 90% of their free throws for multiple games. So, I mean, they're just playing at a high level. So they should be leading in the series. But I'm going to tell you what I just watched. I just watched the Golden State Warriors gut out a performance that might lead them with some momentum to at least a game seven. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to win it all now because KD going down with an Achilles injury. I don't think it's a calf. I think it's an Achilles injury. And they're just saying a lower body injury to save him some money. Uh, because if teams find out it's an Achilles injury, they're not going to give him the Supermax. And nobody wants damaged goods from a guy that's 30. You know, they barely gave, nobody wanted Boogie, and Boogie ain't even 30. Boogie like 27, 26. He blew his Achilles, and he went from all NBA first team to I got to sign for $5 million to play. So I think they're kind of protecting Kevin Durant's injury because. I mean, there'll still be some teams that don't want to give them the Supermax. Now, I'll tell you this, they give him more ammunition to stay because the Golden State, they know his value. They know they can't win it without him. So now, when I my hot take, I don't know how many weeks ago, where I said Kevin Durant was going to stay in Golden State. And, you know, people didn't call me crazy, but it didn't pick up a whole lot of steam. I did hear Antoine Walker talking about it on the ESPN first take i saw that give me my money you've been listening to my podcast what up that's the only thing that does i mean him going down you can see his value but uh the warriors just gutted this one out they really did they were down six without the ball they're on defense down six so they had to get a stop so they're down what was it i think it was 103 to 97 they're down six Toronto has the ball with a little over two minutes left to play in the game. And as I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, this game over. Toronto get a bucket or get to the free throw line. 
Like the game's over. Like they should have won this easy. They should have been. They should have had the balloons ready. It was probably people in the back, you know, getting the trophies ready and all of that. I mean, this this was a this was a done deal. And then go to say gets a stop. A bad possession for Toronto. Go to say gets a stop. Three ball. Bang. Okay. Now you're down. Three. Go to say gets another stop. Come back. Bang. Another three. Uh-oh. Now it's a tie game. Next possession. Toronto. Turnover. 24-second clock. Bang. Another three from Golden State. So they went from down six to up three. And those threes was bang, bang, bang. Clay, Curry, Clay. And if you're a shooter, I'm going to give I'm gonna give you this move right here. I want you guys to watch the last three that Clay Thompson made. Where he had already made, you know, at least four or five threes in the night. Defender is flying at him. Gives him a nice little shot fake. Dribbles to the side. Pulls the trigger. You can't stop it. So if you're a shooter and you don't have that in your arsenal, you need to get that in your arsenal this summer. I teach all of my shooters this move. Very simple. Very simple. Shot fake. We call it shot fake slide. Take a shot fake. One dribble to the side to the left. Or one dribble to the right, let it go. Because the defender's flying at you. They already know you can shoot. And they already know that you can make it. You're capable of making it. So once they know that you are capable, you take a shot fake, you slide, you knock it in. And the Warriors, they show some grit. They show some grit that I hadn't seen all series. And if they show that same grit, they're not losing at home. They're not. I, I, I just don't, I don't see, without KD, I don't see them losing the title at home. Going back to Oracle, being the last game they play in the Oracle, and they lose, I don't see it. I don't see it. I think Toronto's already won enough. They've already won two there. They're not winning anymore. I think the Warriors go back home, seal the deal, take it to game seven, and at that point, it's anybody's game. Anybody can win it there. It's a one-elimination game tournament. NCAA tournament action. Anything could happen. Clay could go crazy. Curry could go crazy. Kawhi could go crazy. Then the pressure's on. Toronto, a lot of people pick Toronto at seven. I think it's going to go seven. I'm just not sure who's going to, if it goes seven, I don't know who's going to win it. I don't, I don't, I think it's just, it's going to, it's going to be a toss up. It really is going to be a toss up in game seven. Um, now that the Warriors show some grit and they got back into the series, but I was, I was impressed. I was impressed with those boys tonight after watching KD go down. Uh, because he was on fire. I mean, he had, what, 11 points in 10 minutes? He looked like he was about to go for 30. And I'm looking like, man, I mean, he, he don't look too injured to me. And then he tried to make that one move, and you can literally just see his calf just pop. You can see something in his calf go wrong. So we're going to pray for Kevin Durant. Hopefully uh, he gets back healthy and gets his leg taken care of. Um and, and and I appreciate him for putting it all on the line. He didn't have to come back. He didn't have to come back. And a lot of you people that are very critical of Kevin Durant, and, and I don't know why. I don't know why you're so critical of the best player in the world. But I'm glad to see him come back, put it all on the line for his teammates, and say, you know what, I, I got to I gotta, I gotta put it out there for my brothers. And that's why I think he's going to stay. I think he's going to stay. I mean, why would you do something like that and then leave? But that's just... A coach cam hot take. So we're gonna see how the NBA finals 
shape out. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a good series. At least we got another game, at least a game six, possibly a game seven. So uh, the, the, the I think that Kevin Durant's injury changes a lot, not even in this series, but it, it changed up free agency. I think it changes up the mindset of the Golden State Warriors. Now they they look like they have a little bit more of a reason to uh, to come back because they're playing for that emotion. Like, man, I just seen my brother go down, and we're gonna play for him. So I mean, I think it it changes a lot, and I think it, it's gonna help KD stay in Golden State. I think it does. I think it helps Kevin Durant stay because he's gonna be out for a while for this injury. You won't see him back in the finals playing any more games. So who wins MVP? Are you giving it to Steph? Are you giving it to Kawhi Leonard? At this point right now, it's basically going to be whoever wins the series. If the Raptors win the series, Kawhi Leonard gets MVP. If the Warriors win the series, Steph Curry wins MVP. And I, Like I've said before, we were going to get MVP Steph Curry in this series, and we have. We had 47-8-6 one game without Clay and KD. And almost got a, and almost got a dub by himself, basically. So, and Kawhi, he he been thirty a night all all playoffs. So that that's either one of those two guys is going to win your Finals MVP. I, and I can't vote for anybody else. I can't vote for Clay. I can't vote for Ibaka. I can't vote for Lowry. One of those two is going to win it. So, since the Raptors lost, I guess we're not getting no new music from Drake, man. Oh, man. I know he had the trophies lined up. Like, if they had won, they were probably going to play trophies. And it, that probably would be, that would have been pretty lit, though. He'd do a remix to trophies. Yeah. That would have been pretty lit. You know, he was talking about, you know, on the internet saying he might he might drop some new music if they won tonight. And I, I guess we're not getting no tracks from Drizzy in the OVO camp today. I guess we got to wait another game because it's not happening today. So that would have been pretty cool, though. Um and they've taken some of the spotlight off of Drake, which is cool. Uh, but that's his team. You know, he's going to roll for Toronto. And, you know, the media is kind of taken off of the spotlight off of him because he's a a, uh, a hip-hop artist and a, a super fan for Toronto. I don't really care because I'm neither a fan of both. I'm a fan of basketball, good basketball. I know somebody tried to call me a Warriors fan, and I was just like, I, I guess. Um, I just call it like I see it, and I thought the Warriors were going to win, even though they haven't so far. So what does Kawhi do? So does Kawhi win the MVP of the finals, win the finals championship, and then leave Toronto in free agency? That would be unheard of. And I think it would be very damaging to his image. He just, he kind of repaired his image after San Antonio because he didn't leave on a good note. You know, his his uncle coming in, running his enterprise and him getting into it with the medical staff of San Antonio wasn't very good. So he came over with Toronto with a damaged uh, image a little bit. And he repaired that just to win the finals and then leave in free agency after one year, that's going to be pretty tough. Now, I know there were reports saying that he had bought property 
in Toronto that she denied and said he hadn't bought property yet. The huge right right there is yet. I don't know. I mean, Kawhi leaving after winning a championship is nuts. I mean, you got to be nuts to do that. But he a different dude, man. He ain't cut from the same cloth some of these guys is cut from. So is it possible that he can do it? Yeah, it's possible. Today's game is different, man. It's different. It's not like it was in the 80s and 90s where you basically fighting and for blood. I mean, these guys is making millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions. They getting money, baby. So they're going to do whatever's best for them to get more money. And I've had plenty of people tell me there, there just isn't enough more. There isn't enough money. There's no such thing as too much money. So does he leave to get more money? I don't know. I think it would damage his image to leave. And I think if he wins, he stays. If they lose, he leaves. So I think Toronto is really rooting for their team to win because that gives them a better chance to land Kawhi for next season. If they lose this series after being up 3-1 with home court advantage, I think I think he's gone. But Kawhi, let's talk about his play. Kawhi's been phenomenal. Rashad Phillips has been a very a huge Kawhi Leonard fan for the entire season, not just the series. And he said this man was MJ-ish in January. Now, I'm not going to go on record and say he's MJ-ish. Because he got the big hands. He's very good fundamentally. I'm not going to go that far. I think he is a very, very, very good player. Very good player. Elite. Top five in the league. I, I ain't saying he MJ-ish. I'm not. And if he gets one more 30-point game in each series, he's going he's gonna to tie Kobe Bryant for for the third most in NBA history, following behind Akeem Olajuwon, and guess who, Michael Jordan. So, and ain't too many people that can say they can do that. So Kawhi has been balling, and, you know, that's going to turn into free agency and what's going to happen in the free agent market. And I like the fact that we have the opportunity, like football, to talk about basketball all year round. And that's basically why I started this podcast is because really, even when this finals is done, there's still a lot of basketball we can talk. We can talk college, we can talk high school, we can talk JUCO, we can talk transfers. It's a lot of basketball talk, even when basketball isn't playing. And football has maximized that. The NFL has done a great job at being relevant for 12 months. And basketball is starting to tap into that. Now we're starting to find out the little small stories about like, you know, Dwayne Wade's son going to Sierra Cannon with LeBron James' son. Now they're teaming up. Like So like little stories like that where we could talk about free agency. And even though it's not a time for free agency right now, we could talk about it. We could talk about, you know, AD talking about he wants to be in L.A., or New York. And I just don't get like, this is just me personally. I don't get the fixation of players wanting to play in New York. The Knicks ain't had a team. They won a champ. Last time they won a championship was what, 1998? Even when it, they was in the title game. 
And it was a short series because of the they had a strike that year, so they made the NBA Finals. But the Knicks ain't been relevant for 30. They they are just I think the media outlets are just begging for a huge market team to be relevant and to be elites again. Like the Yankees not winning the World Series in a few years hurts baseball in their eyes. They don't want the St. Louis Cardinals to be winning World Series. They want the Yankees to be winning it. They want the Dodgers to be winning them. They want the Lakers in the championship. They don't want the Cavs in the championship. They don't want Boston in the championship. They want the New York Giants to be good. And me personally, man, get out of here with all that, man. All this big market talk. Go on with all that. Stop forcing the New York Knicks down our throat. They suck. They sucked for 20 years, and they're going to continue to suck, and that's fine. Let them be bad. It's okay if they're bad. That means other teams can win. But I don't know why they want the Knicks to be so relevant. Forget the Knicks. About to say something else. This is a clean family podcast that you're listening to, and I ain't going there. Same thing with L.A. They just, they just, oh, man. They, now they got LeBron out there. They just, they can't believe that L.A. didn't make the playoffs. And LeBron don't know what to do. He commented on everybody's picture. And he, this is the first time he had a June off in about 10 years. He don't know what to do. So the media is really trying to push New York and L.A. down our throats. And I don't like it. I don't like it. Let these guys go to some other markets and flourish. And they don't have to be in New York to be great. They don't have to be in L.A. to be great. I hope a team like Dallas comes through or somebody just out of the mix, just not totally off the spectrum. You're like, wow, they got those three players and now they're good. You know, so I just hate that narrative that they're trying to get all these players to Brooklyn, Kyrie to Brooklyn, and they are clearing space. The Brooklyn Nets are clearing space uh, to make a move, and I know they're going to make a move as some free agents. It's just that, I, I mean, Brooklyn's never won, so why, you know, the New Jersey Nets went back-to-back to the finals when they had Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson, but guess who they lost to? The Lakers. And that, that was the only time that they were relevant, so why do you, you know, why would you go to the Brooklyn Nets? Who knows? But they're clearing space. And the Pelicans, is they said today that they're open to a multi-team deal for Anthony Davis. And they should be. And they should get AD the hell out of town. Get him out. He don't want to be there. I know that's your best player. You got the number one pick. He don't want to be there. Bye. Sit him on his way. But his contract is so big, they're going to need multiple teams to be involved in this. And they're real. They're demanding draft picks. They're demanding a future hall of a future uh, all league guy, an already all league guy in draft picks. And that's a lot to ask for Anthony Davis. But I mean, for a top tier player, all NBA player, it's gonna take a lot. So um, you also had Tony Parker retire. Shouts out to him in his career. 
we're, we're going to forget about that, that year or two you had in Charlotte. I think it was a year this year. We're going to remember you for playing with the Spurs and playing at a high level for the Spurs. He was like their glue. He kept everything together. He always made the right plays. And Tony Parker was, I think he was finals MVP the year that they beat Cleveland. So really good point guard. Is he a, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Ugh, I don't know. I don't know if he is. That's just me personally. Other people might think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I don't. So uh, we would like to send our salutes to Tony Parker and his endeavors going forward. And yeah, that's that. So the NBA draft is coming up. And one of the things about the draft, you start hearing about guys going to workouts and working out for teams and some guys doing well and some guys not doing so well. Uh, Charles Matthews, uh, 6'6 wing out of out of University of Michigan, Taurus ACL during a workout. And NBA execs have been high on Charles Matthews. He's been rising up the board. At the time of his injury, he was projected a second-round pick. And they were saying that he might have been one of the better two-way players in the draft. And to have an injury like that is pretty heartbreaking. So hopefully he gets a full recovery from that. Probably won't get drafted. He'll probably go unsigned. And just hopefully he gets a speedy recovery from his injury because that's the worst time to be injured is right before the draft happens in a couple weeks. They, they've been talking about R.J. Barrett has been almost a lock to go to the Knicks. And I like it. I like it. I like R.J. Barrett's game. I like the fact that the Knicks not wasting no time of bringing him in. Go ahead. Interview him. Get him ready for your city because he can be a franchise player. I think he's going to flourish in the NBA rather than college. And even though the college guys from Duke don't have great careers, I think the ones coming out this year, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, will change that tune. I think these are three guys that will make an impact in the NBA, especially R.J. Barrett. He's big, 6'8", he's physical, he can stretch the floor, he can create his own shot, and he had the most uh, shots on that Duke team than anybody. He had more shots than Zion. He didn't shoot a great percentage, but the ball went to him. So R.J. Barrett is a flat-out dog. And when you start talking about the draft and the green room and who gets invited, you can now try to see what the top 10 picks look like. Because very rarely in the NBA, the NFL is different. Very rarely do they invite guys in the green room that, that aren't going top 10. So here's some names that have been invited to the green room who can almost guarantee that they'll be a top 10 pick. So you got R.J. Barrett. You got Jared Culver out of Texas A&M. You got Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. You got Jackson Hayes out of Texas. You got DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. You got John Morant out of Murray State. You got Cam Reddish out of Duke. You got Kobe Wright out of North Carolina. And you have Zion Williamson, who's going to be a number one pick. Those 10 guys, like I said, this draft is very top-heavy. This year's rookie class, the first time ever 
he had an all NBA rookie team that was picks one through five. And I think you get the same thing this year. So I think, you know, you got Zion, John Morant scoring two, RJ Barrett scoring three, and then four or five is kind of a toss up. I've seen some DeAndre Hunter at four. I've seen Jackson Hayes at four, big out of Texas. I've also seen Jared Culver at four. So I don't think it's going to be one through five again for two years in a row. But outside of these 10, I mean, if you haven't if you have a pick outside of 10, you're not really it's like, uh, all right, we'll take them. But it's not a whole lot of action happening outside of the 10. Very top heavy draft. If you got a top five pick, you golden. Top 10 pick is good. Outside of 10, I ain't banking on it. And I don't want you guys to bank on it either. Because that's just how this draft is this year. And as we get closer to the actual draft, we'll talk more about it. But I just wanted to um, talk about those invites, those guys getting to the green room, because that's a big deal going forward. We also had a slight knee injury for John Morant. They tried to sneak that in on us. But it's not going to hurt his draft position. It's not going to hurt his money. Maybe he just had a little bit of fluid in his knees that he had to get out. Uh, but he's still bouncy, he's still athletic as ever. And you're a fool. You're a fool if you don't take him at two. You're a fool. And if he falls to number three, New York Knicks, you're a fool if you don't take him. Kid's got star potential. He does. So hopefully the, the knee injury doesn't have uh, huge replications on his game. But John Morant is a stud. And he's going to go number two in the draft. So that was our NBA draft update. And it really was an update. It was only a couple minutes. It wasn't meant to be very long. Uh, because, like I said, it's a top-heavy draft. You know who's going number one. You know who's going number two, number three. You know what's going to happen. So as we get closer to the draft, we're going to talk more. But that leads us to our next segment where we're talking college hoops. And a lot of things have happened in the college basketball this week. And when I like to talk college basketball, I'm not just going to talk Division I college basketball. I'm going to be talking some D2. I'm going to be talking some Division Three. Be talking some JUCO. Because it's not about Division One all the time. You know, in Michigan, you want to hear about what's happening in GLIAD. You want to hear about what's happening in MIAA. You want to hear about what's happening in the Wolverine League. And I'm the guy to talk about it. I am. And I will. And we're going to start off with Fair State. They got a huge commitment over the weekend. Reese Hamilton, Hazleton out of Glen Lake, 6'7 wing, plays for the Grand Rapids Storm AAU. I'm telling you, the kid can flat out go. He can flat out go. We had the opportunity to offer him when I was at Saginaw Valley. We were his second offer, and we might have been too late. Because the kid can flat out go. He can put it on the floor. He's one of the best shooters in the state. He's already played in the state championship game. Will probably play in another one this year. Huge commitment for Ferris. And with him and the Jimmy Shuler kid out west, that brings them two major, major, major shooters in that class. It's two of the best shooters in the state. And there was some uproar. We talked about it earlier about the kid Jimmy Schuler and how he committed to Ferris, but he didn't quite all the way commit. 
he kept his options open. So he basically said, yeah, I'm committing to Ferris State University, but I'm keeping my options open Division One." And we've talked about that in other podcasts. So I'm not going to re-issue um, that whole play. Uh, good for their family. But Ferris State is doing good things in the GLIAC. They've won a national championship, and they're showing why, because they're getting high-level players. And while we're talking about Division Two, has Northern Michigan hired a coach yet? I'll wait. Because Bill Saul, who was the coach last year at Northern Michigan, has taken the head job at Calvin. And his assistant coach has taken the head job at William Woods University out of Missouri. And it's Charles Belt. And his other assistant is his assistant. So their whole staff is gone. So has Northern Michigan hired a coach? Because if they go into July without a coach, if they go into the next live period without a coach, they are in trouble. I mean, June and July is huge for college recruiting, especially in the GLIAC. Because after June 15th, you could get out and you could go everywhere. So in three days, if they don't have a coach, they are going to be behind the eight ball. So Northern Michigan, you need to get with it. You need to hire a coach so they can get in there and they can start recruiting. Because if you don't get somebody in there, you're going to be behind the eight ball. And that means that's not going to mean well for you in the GLIAC. Because the GLIAC ain't playing. They ain't messing around. All right? So go and hire you a coach. My sources have told me, Lonnie Griffin... Would, had an interview for it. Not sure if he got the job or not, uh, but he will be a great hire uh, for the Northern Michigan opening spot. And my wife told me, don't you even think about it. I was like, man, even the head coach job? She was like, don't even. I was like, all right, cool. You ain't got to tell me twice. So am I in the mix? No, I will not be going to Northern Michigan or nowhere up north. I'm going back to Detroit, to the city, baby. I'm going back to the city. So that's another conversation for another podcast. But yeah, Northern Michigan, going to need you to hire a coach. Going to need you to hire a coach. So while we're talking about coaches, we got a few coaches on the move. Coach McCarry is back to the D. But it's not Detroit. It's Denver. He just signed on to be an assistant coach at the University of Denver. He's going to be assisting under Rodney Billups. Wow. Colorado, Denver, Billups. I wonder if he's related to Chauncey. Actually, he is. That's his brother. So he's going into his fourth year at the University of Denver. So shouts out to Coach Bakari for getting back into the game. Great influential coach. Very good post-development guy. Uh, He's always been a great guy. To me, I've been known to him since I was 16, since the NYSP program back in Detroit. So I've been knowing him for a while. So I know he's going to go out there and kill it. And he's going to be tweeting y'all to death. Make sure y'all follow him on Twitter. Uh, Coach Bakari34, I think is his handle. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's back in the game, man. So yeah, I'm just going to get that up, man. Get that up, man. Give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. Be back in the game. And uh, Coach Dre, man, Coach Dre to Maryland. So DeAndre Hayes, who was the lone assistant at the University of Michigan that was not kept on by Jawan Howard, has gotten picked up by Maryland in the Big Ten. And they're stacked. 
I think they're projected right now in the top 10, even though it's an early projection. I think they're projected at 10 already. And that team is pretty loaded. And the Big Ten is going to be pretty loaded. So I'm I'm glad he's back in action. He gets that DC DMV area, you know, DC, Maryland, Virginia, plenty of players out there. Just go watch Team Durant and thank me later. <laughs> Some players out that way, plenty of them. So congratulations hey, to congratulations. Coach Dre Hayes on getting picked up by Maryland. I know it wouldn't, it wouldn't hold him down too long, but he was able to find another job, and that's huge. And while we're talking about jobs, uh, Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard ain't been wasting no time. He's already offered two or three five-stars. And I don't blame him. I would, too. I take all them elite players, and I'm offering all of them. Come on. Come to Michigan, man. Change the narrative. We're not offering three stars no more. We're offering five stars, guys that can get down and want to come in and win and get to the league. I know that's their pitch. I know their pitch is if anybody can get to the, get you to the league, I can. I played 19 years. I coached for six years. I can get you to the league, my man, because I know that's what you want. You're not coming here for no education. You come here to get to the league. And he are, that's how he offering the five stars. And I know he can get them. I know he can get them because he can talk to them that way. Like, I know you're not in college for long. I get that. So come to Michigan. Do like the Fab Five did. Win on a high level. Win a lot. And be out. And get your millions. Because Jawan Howard made a lot of money playing basketball. And he did not play four years at Michigan. Even though he did go back and get his degree, you could always go back. But he didn't play four years. We got a couple players on the move. Like I said, we're going to talk some transfers. Uh, Bakari Elevin of Southfield Christian fame was playing at Valparaiso the last three years. Has decided to be a grad transfer and to transfer to Iowa. So he's transferring back to the Big Ten. So... Uh, good to see a hometown kid get back to the area, kind of per se, to the Midwest. Even though we weren't watching him a whole lot at Valpo, I think he averaged about 10 a game. He's on the move and he has landed at Iowa. Kamari Newman, Kamari Newman, guard out of Oakland, is on the move. He hasn't decided his destination yet. I would like to see where he goes. High level shooter. Uh, Greg Campy has been killed with transfers. I mean, he loses his top guard to Loyola. He uses uh, Javon Cumberland, his wing to Cincinnati. Now he loses Kamari Newman. He lost Braylon Neely. He transferred to Wayne State. He lost about five or six transfers, but, you know, he's been there for 25-plus years, so I think he knows what he's doing a little bit. And he's just going to re-up. He's just going to re-up, no problem. So, you know, you'll find out where Kamari Newman is going to end up on the transfer portal uh, going into the recruiting season. And speaking of recruiting, we let St. Bonaventure come to Michigan and just pull out two studs. They pulled out two studs, the team that went to the NCAA tournament. They get Robert Carpenter, who's at Mount Zion, prep play that cornerstone with Jamal Kane um, and then transferred out for his last two years and it's been blowing up 
on the prep level. Pulled him out. They also pulled Jaron English. Jaron English is out of Rymanus High School. Chose to, chose the JUCO route. So didn't have a whole lot of interest. I know I have brought him on campus. I brought both of these young men on campus. I thought both of them were good enough to play at our level. And I thought either one of them would have been a steal. Couldn't get either of them to come, though. Um, but they they were involved. Uh, Jaron Eagles took the JUCO route. He went to Ranger College in Texas. They played in the national championship. And even though they lost to Vincennes, you can still see that he was a high-level player, average double figures for the team. And now he's at St. Bonaventure. So it, it's going to be good seeing their progression, see the impact that they can have at the college level. Uh, Inglis is more of, a, more of a wing. Carpenter is more of a, a four. Uh, but he's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, long and athletic. Uh, Jaron Inglis can put the ball on the floor. He's more like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, put the ball on the floor, playmaker. Just a good, really good kid, good family. We'd like to see what these two kids do because they're good kids. And St. Bonifacio came here and got a couple studs. So that was our college roundup. You know, uh, it's nice to talk about college basketball, not just the Division One level, the Division Two level, because uh, there are things going on in the state of Michigan, because that's where I'm from, at all three levels, and I just like to keep people aware and in tune on what's going on. So um, I also like to talk high school basketball. Uh, I've been coaching high school basketball at a high level for 12 years. The last three years have been at Saginaw Valley. Uh, I've coached JV, coached varsity, had a chance to uh, coach in Detroit, coach outside of Detroit. I was at Detroit Renaissance for six seasons, seven years. I did three years at Detroit Country Day. So that's why I like to talk high school hoops because nobody really covers high school hoops like that unless somebody gets an offer or a transfer. And it's not a whole lot happening on the high school end. So I like to cover high school basketball as well. This week you had a couple uh, 2019 kids commit. Deshaun Munson out of Ann Arbor Skyline commits to Barton Community College, a Division I junior college in Kansas. And had the opportunity to recruit uh, the Division I JUCOs and the Division II JUCOs. And for those who don't know, there, there's a big difference between Division I JUCOs and Division II JUCOs. Uh, in the state of Michigan, the majority of the JUCOs are Division II. Uh, a lot of them don't have housing, um, struggling for funds, not full-funded scholarship-wise, so you got to take chance with some pale kids. Uh, a lot of times they live in apartments. It's a lot of things that go on at the Division II level, even though the ones here do well. And uh, the Division I JUCOs, a lot of them, they have campuses, just like any university will have. They have dorms. Uh, not to say all of them do, because there are some that don't. But the competition level at the Division I JUCOs is a bit steep. It's steep. I had the opportunity to go out west to Utah and, I'm sorry, not Utah, South Dakota. And while I was out there, it was Region 9, and you got schools like Gillette, you got schools like um, Colorado uh, Southern, CSI, really high-level programs out there, Sheridan, uh, Western Nebraska, I got a chance to see them. And the talent level... That, that I saw out there, and then we're just talking about Region 9, that area Division 1 region, uh, was phenomenal. I mean, I was watching the game. There probably was 
10 to 12 college level players, eight of them probably will play at the Division I level. And that was just one game. And it happens a lot. So the, the competition level, when guys go out and they go to school and they go to Kansas and they go to Iowa, they go to Indian Hills, schools like that, the competition level was really high. And some guys don't make it. Some guys don't make it at a Division I JUCO uh, because, like I said, the competition level was high. And if you're not ready for that environment, you will get sent home fast because those coaches ain't playing. And the ones that are very successful when they send players to the Division I level and they're loaded, man, you, you, you're blessed to get an opportunity like that to play in one of those situations. So he's going to Barton in Kansas. That Jake Hall conference is really, really good. You got Independence. You got uh, Barton, uh, schools like that. In that, in that Jay Hall conference, it's a really tough conference for Division I uh, JUCO. So he committed to go out there. So... 6'6 six, six wing was well, not really a wing. He's a 4'5 four, four right now, which kind of hurt his recruiting because he really couldn't stretch the floor with his jump shot. Really athletic and long. And, I mean, as a Juco kid, you could take, you could take a chance on him because he's 6'6 six, six and he's athletic. He had a couple guys go prep. Joe Moon decided to go prep. And Caleb Bates also decided to go prep. These are two 2019 kids who I thought for sure would be scholarship kids. Uh, for some reason, the GLIAC didn't go on either one of these kids. And maybe they did. Maybe they went out and offered and they did their homework. But there's no reason why Joe Moon couldn't start at a GLIAC school right now and be heavy minutes. I mean, he's much better, in my opinion, uh, than Chris Robinson was out of uh, Clarkston. And he started almost every game for Lake State. I think he averaged five or six points a game. And Joe Moon is better than him. So... I mean, I, I know for sure in the GLIAC he could start for a vast majority of the teams. But what do I know? I only coached in the GLIAC for three years, and now I'm out. So what do I know? I don't know much. And Caleb Bates, now I for sure thought he, was a, he would be a GLIAC monster. 6'7", uh, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 a 4'5", big man. He could play inside and out, stretch the floor with his jump shot, put it on the floor. I think what hurt his recruiting last summer, he was trying to be a wing. And on the team that he was on, uh, he played with Joe Moon, actually, uh, for the Mustangs. Um, really good team, but he was trying to be a wing, and it, it hurt his recruitment. Um, if he really wanted to just die down, tie down, and just be an undersized big, which is what he is, that can stretch the floor with his jump shot and just focused in on that, I think a four-year school would have taken a chance on him. Now, you know, you also have grades that come into port, and did they have the correct ACT score? Did they have the correct GPA? Those things, I do not know because I didn't have uh, either of those transcripts. I thought both of them were qualifiers. So if they're qualifiers and they're going prep, that still gives them four more years. So I understand why they went prep, um, because they want to play Division I basketball, as, as most basketball players do. Uh, both of these kids, I think, can play at the low major level. Uh, division one, but there are plenty of division twos that are better than low majors. Will they be able to play at a mid-major? Not sure. After a year in somebody's program, prove me wrong. They might be able to. They might be able to play in the Horizon League under the right uh, situation, play in the MAC. So I'm uh, going to watch their progression as they take on the prep route and to see where they end up in the year because college coaches still recruit prep schools. 
We recruit, they recruit them all. They recruit prep schools. They recruit JUCOs. If you can play, they're going to follow you. They're going to follow you. And if they, they have a thing called bounce backs, where a kid goes to one school and he might bounce back to you because he's going to transfer. Because the trend now is to transfer. You go somewhere, you don't like it, transfer. I mean, it's hard enough to keep kids in one situation for three or four years, and the ones that could do it, hats off to you. In this transfer era, because... The moment one thing goes wrong, they want to transfer. And a lot of times they need to just stick it out where they're at. Make your right, make the decision, choose the school you're going to go to, and then let the chips fall where they lay. So going to be watching these kids going the prep school route. And I talked about junior college, so we're going to talk JUCO a little bit on this podcast. And I want to mention the Michigan JUCOs, most particularly Mott. Henry Ford, and Schoolcraft. These three JUCOs I want you to pay attention to this year because they will be loaded. They're going to be loaded. The kids at Chandler Park, they're at Mott. So Chandler Park went to the state championship game. Should have won it. Should have won the state championship. They didn't. Or they went to the semifinals. I'm sorry. They went to Breslin. All right? Chandler Park School on the east side of Detroit, small charter school, went to Breslin on the behind of a really good young coach and a couple really high-level players, all right? And those kids are at Mott. So Mott has the opportunity to be pretty good this year. Schoolcraft, let's talk about Schoolcraft. Schoolcraft has been known uh, for being a really good JUCO in the state of Michigan for the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, Carlos Briggs, who's an assistant at Florida A&M now, started the trend in the early 2000s. And I want to say he won a national championship. If he didn't win a national championship, um, they played for one or two. And he sent loads of players to Division I schools, loads of them. And this year, you'll, you'll see a few kids leave the Schoolcraft program headed to some Division I schools. They've got a few transfers from Fair State, including Carl Bowe. Uh, Daniel Gilbert, Gilbert. Daniel Gilbert played at Cass. Carl Bow played at Hazel Park High School. They played one year at Ferris, and they're back there. And like I said, when you get a couple uh, college transfers at the JUCO level, especially in Michigan, uh, they should do pretty well. He's got a couple high school kids that he signed out of high school, got a couple transfers. So Corey McKendry, who's the head coach now at Schoolcraft, He should have a good year. He should have a great year. Between these, one of these three teams will win the Michigan Junior College level next year. I'm going to put my stamp on it. One of these three. Not sure which one because they all got to play each other. So not sure which one. But one of these three will win it. And the third being Henry Ford Community College with Chris Shepard, who's the head coach out there. Another good young coach. Does a great job getting his kids to the next level. He's had a couple kids from last year's team go off to some Division Twos, and he's, he's back, he's back, he's back, he's back. All right, he's got a couple high-level, high-level high school kids to commit to his program, a couple transfers. So looking forward to watch their progression, and as we get closer to the season, we'll dive in to their roster so you can actually know these players. Don't want to give you names right now because it's still summer, and Juco is Juco, man. 
you might decide to, to go to this school, go to that school, transfer. You, you never know what happens in JUCO. So I'm going to wait till I release those names to you. Just know that these three schools will be really good. Um, also going to watch Grand Rapids Community College. Why? They just got a new head coach. Their head coach is Jeff Bauer. Jeff Bauer was an assistant at Grand Valley for, I think, six or seven years. Uh, he did a really good job recruiting while he was there. They have some really good, talented teams. Um, and he's just been working in the corporate world the last three or four years. Glad to see him back on the scene. So we're going to watch what Grand Rapids Community College does because now they have a, a higher-level coach, and he's going to demand some things that most JUCO coaches wouldn't demand. He's going to make sure his guys go to class, are taking the right classes, and are graduating, which is huge. It's huge at the, at the JUCO level. Um, you might get a kid that's a qualifier out of high school. If he's a qualifier out of high school, that means after one year he can transfer to a four-year school. But you've got to be taking the right classes, and you have to be getting the right grades. So those are the little things that a college coach would know that most junior college coaches wouldn't know. And hopefully he keeps his guys on a straight line with that. So... Uh, with those JUCOs, I want you to watch out for those three in particular. Uh, high school-wise, we got a couple shakeups going on. We got Isaiah Jackson, who's a top 25 player in the class of 2020. Uh, he transferred back to Michigan. He left Spire. Spire hired a new coach, so Jermaine Jackson is no longer the coach at Spire. They hired a new coach, a, an, an, a former Division I coach, uh, coached at Bethune-Cookman for some years, and... You know, they went a different direction, so some of those kids are on the move, including Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson plays for the family, five-star kid, high-level athlete, 6'9", blocks everything in sight. Jumps out the gym, blocks everything in sight, runs like a deer, and he's a high-level athlete. You lob it up. He's Clint Capella. He's Clint Capella in high school. If you wanted to see the high school version of Clint Capella, it's Isaiah Jackson, all right? I, I, that's just who he reminds me of. So um, he transferred to Waterford Mott. So pay attention to Waterford Mott. Not sure what they're bringing back. I'm going to find out now that he's there. So we're going to see. So who else is looking good? Ferndale is looking good, man. They made ball his life. Simon Willer with the under the legs layup with the left. Now the play has stopped. But I want you to go to ball his life. And I want you to look up the video where the Ferndale boys were playing at a team camp and they were going crazy, crazy. Jay Sean Moore was shooting the lever out of it. Simon Willard was getting to the basket. Big Collin was getting boards, getting alley-oops, getting dunks. I mean, their team, they got young Trey, who's a sophomore, plays for the family. Their team to watch. That team is going to be pretty good at the high school level. Also had a couple more guys commit. I think Andre Polk, who also played at Spire, is on his way to Coronado. I think that's how you say it, high school out in Las Vegas. So those Spire kids are getting out of there. They out of there. They like, oh, JJ's gone. The reason why I came. So I'm going to get out of here now that we have a new head coach. And we also had Brian Taylor commit to UIC. So he got exactly what he wanted. He, wanted, he waited for a Division I. He got a Division I. And he signed with the Division I. Now, he had a few low major offers. Brian Taylor was a 6'6 wing out of Detroit Depsa School in Detroit. Uh, won a state championship his junior year. And high-level wing. High-level wing. Needs to improve his jump shot to me. 
Uh, I think it's a little inconsistent. I think he can shoot it. I think it needs to become a little bit more consistent. But very athletic, can put the ball on the floor. He can defend. And it's a really good pickup for UIC. Really good pickup for them. So I'm glad to see that, him, that he finally found a situation that was good for him. Has some low major offers. Has some D2s on him. And he signed with UIC. So that's a big deal coming out of uh, Depsa High School, who will be returning a lot and should be on a good team on the, on the Class B. So that's my roundup for the high schools. Uh, a couple transfers, a couple guys commit. And we're going to watch their progress from here on out. And on that note, we out of here, man. This is Coach Cam. We talking hoops podcast episode eight. And we out of here, man. So pay attention to game six in the NBA finals. See if the Raptors can can pull out an NBA championship. Can the Golden State Warriors come back from down 3-1 and win the chip without KD? Do it for their brother who's going to sign back. Option in for the $31.5 million. Yeah, I said he's going to option in. He's got no choice now. He's got no choice now with the injury. We're praying for Kevin Durant and a speedy recovery with his Achilles heel. It's not an easy injury to come back from. From a lot of pe- for a lot of people, it's a career killer. And it might have cost him some money. So we're going to pray for Kevin Durant on that end. But until next week, until next Tuesday, I'm going to holler at you. It's your coach, Coach Cam, who knows who's the most. And we out. Peace. Buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause this is Coach Cam and we talking hoops. Kid, kid, we talking hoops.